Over the last few months, my wife Christine and I have really enjoyed watching the LA Lakers games on TV. Uh, my wife has been a lifelong Lakers fan, and uh, soon after we got married, she got me hooked as well. Uh, the Lakers have been playing uh, really amazing basketball. Uh, two years ago, they acquired LeBron James, one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, last summer, they acquired Anthony Davis. And uh, those two t- together, LeBron James and, and AD, they make a dynamic duo. And they've led their team this season to the top of the Western Conference. There's something like five and a half games ahead of second place. Uh, they certainly should make the playoffs this year, and uh, I'm really excited to see what happens when play resumes, hopefully in the next couple months. Uh, but anyways, they're a great team. They're playing some really good basketball. Uh, but I have a confession to make. The, the truth is, I didn't watch much Lakers basketball last year or the year before. And the reason is, they kind of stunk. Before they got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they didn't have very good seasons. And if they weren't playing very well, I didn't like to watch them play. So the truth is, when it comes to the Lakers, I'm a fair-weather fan. I really am. I like watching them when they're doing well and they're on top, but I don't like watching them very much when they're not doing well. So for the diehard Lakers fans, uh, I'm a bit of an embarrassment. You know, I'm not a tried-and-true fan, despite how they're playing. So when it comes down to it, that's just the reality of who I am. I'm not a consistent you know, fan of the Lakers, despite how they're playing. But when I think about that, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay being a fair-weather fan of the Lakers, because after all, it's just basketball. But what I'm not okay with is being a fair-weather fan of Jesus. You see, 2,000 years ago on that first Palm Sunday, thousands of people gathered together to celebrate Jesus. But as that week unfolded, it became very clear that a lot of people in Jerusalem that week were simply fair-weather fans. It's one thing to be a fair-weather fan of a sports team. It's quite another to be a fair-weather fan of Jesus. I hope I'm never a fair-weather fan of Jesus, and I hope that you aren't either. I'd like you to have your Bibles, please, open to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. So please take out your Bibles and be ready. Matthew 21, verse 1. Uh, As always, I think it's a good idea to jot down some notes as we're studying God's Word together. So I encourage you, if you have a pen and paper handy, uh, to uh, go ahead and jot down some notes along the way. Uh, And I'll warn you ahead of time, there will be five questions at the end of this message that will test if you've been paying attention. So if you've got your kids with you, parents, encourage them to pay attention uh, because there will be five questions at the end. We're in Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. I'm calling today's message, Not a Fan, Moving from Fan to Follower. Matthew 21, starting in verse 1, we read these words. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, They brought the donkey and the colt 
They placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. May God bless us as we read and study his word today. As Jesus approached Jerusalem on Sunday morning, he sent two of his disciples on ahead of him into the nearby town to find a donkey to retrieve this uh, this young burro that was waiting for him. I don't know if Jesus had made arrangements with the owner of that donkey ahead of time or not, but one way or another, Jesus knew that that donkey would be there in a certain place in that town ahead of him. So the disciples go and uh, they do what Jesus asked them to do. Now, this was a really unusual request that Jesus made of his disciples because uh, Jesus wasn't in the habit of riding animals when he went to different places. As we look at the uh, scriptures, particularly as we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only time we really read of Jesus riding something was when he would ride in a boat to go from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. And so once in a while, Jesus would ride in boats, but you never read of him riding a horse. You don't read of him riding a camel. We don't read of him riding a donkey, except on this one occasion. Jesus walked everywhere he went. In fact, on one occasion, he didn't even take a boat. He walked on water. And so Jesus had this habit of walking everywhere he went. And so it's natural to ask the question, why on this occasion, on Palm Sunday, was Jesus so bound and determined to ride a donkey? Into Jerusalem. Well, I think there are two reasons for that. Uh, the first reason is because Jesus did it to fulfill prophecy. He did it to fulfill what the Old Testament had said the, the Messiah, the coming Christ and King of the Jews, would do when he came to set up his throne. And so we read in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So over 500 years before Jesus' birth, the Old Testament prophet Zechariah had been given this word from God that the coming king of the Jews, the coming Christ, would ride on a donkey. And that would be a symbol that he was that promised king of Israel, the promised Christ who was coming. And so this had been prophesied more than 500 years earlier, before Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus knew that Palm Sunday was the day to fulfill this scripture and reveal to the nation of Israel that he himself was the promised Christ and he was the king of the Jews, the one they had been praying for, the one they had been waiting for. So that's really the first reason that he rode that donkey into Jerusalem. The second reason was because Jesus wanted to force the Jewish and Roman leaders to act. You see, the Jewish leaders had already decided that they weren't going to try to put Jesus to death during Passover. There were too many people in town. Uh, it would make too much of a scene. But Jesus knew it was God the Father's plan that he die that week. And so Jesus rides very publicly uh, this donkey into Jerusalem, a clear fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He does this 
to kind of force the hand of the Jewish and Roman leaders to have him put to death that week. You see, in Jerusalem, there for Passover, there were three times as many people as usual in that city. Uh, some Bible scholars have come to the conclusion there were probably somewhere around 2 million people in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem for that Passover celebration. The Jewish people loved Passover. It was their uh, most popular, uh, their most loved uh, religious holiday of the year. And so the Jewish people loved Passover, but the truth was the Romans kind of hated it. Because the Romans, remember, were occupiers there in Israel in Jesus' day. And so uh, all of the Roman leaders knew when three times as many people were gathered in Jerusalem for this high holy holiday, uh, there was a greater probability of pandemonium. Uh, there was a greater chance that some people would get a little uppity. And so they'd have to bring in more troops to keep an eye on things during Passover. And so the Romans didn't like Passover very much. And they always knew there was the possibility that that fringe bunch of Jews, the ones called the Zealots, were going to try to stage some sort of uprising and kill a bunch of Roman soldiers when they got together. And so they were always on high alert, the Romans were, and they didn't care for Passover. And so Jesus knew if he had a very high-profile entrance into Jerusalem, on a donkey, fulfilling prophecy, that it would put the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders on a heightened alert. And that would be able to force their hand to see that he was put to death that week, just as God the Father had planned. Well, in verse 7, the disciples went. They did exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They found the colt. They untied the colt. They brought the colt along with its mother to Jesus. The disciples placed their cloaks on them like a saddle, and Jesus mounted up. In verse 8, I want you to notice what it says there again. In verse 8 it says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, John tells us in John 12, verse 13, that the crowds used palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Uh, John also tells us that in the crowd that day were some of the people who had witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead just a few weeks earlier. And so there were at least three different groups of people in the crowd there on Palm Sunday uh, when Jesus made his way into Jerusalem on that little donkey. Uh, first of all, there was that group that had witnessed Jesus raise uh, Lazarus from the dead, along with all their friends and family they had told about what had happened. So uh, a good chunk of those in the crowd were the locals that had heard about this amazing miracle Jesus had performed. The second group would have been a large group from Galilee, that region up north where Jesus had done most of his ministry over the past three and a half years. And so the Galileans, they were proud of Jesus. He was kind of their hometown boy. and He had done all of these amazing miracles, opening the eyes of the blind and, and, uh, and healing leopards and, and calming the storm and all of these things Jesus had done in Galilee. And so the, a big, big group of Galileans were there celebrating Jesus. And then finally, the Jewish leaders we know were in the crowd, and they were the naysayers. They were there just to keep an eye on things and see what Jesus was up to. And so this large crowd was celebrating Jesus. And in verse 9, uh, Jesus' fans in the crowd yelled out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, there's a, a lot of meaning packed into this word, Hosanna. You know what that word Hosanna means? The word Hosanna means, save us now. Save us now. You could say it this way also. Hosanna means, God save us. God save us. 
Now, how many of you in the last 17 days since Governor Newsom has issued the stay-at-home order, how many of you felt like yelling out to God, Hosanna, save us now? You know, I'm tired of this stay-at-home order. I'm, I'm tired about this uh, inc- to, of hearing of this increasing curve of the coronavirus epidemic. God, save us now from this pandemic. Save us now from uh, this new reality we're dealing with. We don't enjoy it very much. Honestly, a lot of us have wanted God to snap his fingers and end this whole pandemic immediately and bring this whole thing to an end. Well, some of the Jews in the crowd that day were probably in terrible health. And they wanted Jesus to heal them like he'd healed so many others. And so uh, they uh, were basically waving those palm branches and, and saying, Jesus, I'm drowning in my sickness here. Save us now. Some in the crowd that day were probably out of work and in debt up to their eyeballs. And so they wanted Jesus' relief. They were basically saying, Hosanna, save me from my financial ruin. Uh, others, in all likelihood, uh, were just itching for Jesus to get rid of the Romans because the Romans were an occupying force there in, in Israel, and particularly that week in Jerusalem. And they didn't like the Romans overruling uh, the, the authority that God had given the Israelites, the people of, of Israel. And so certainly there were people in the crowd saying, God, get rid of these Romans. Save us now. Hosanna. And so these people, they were waving their palm branches and putting their cloaks on the ground, all yelling, Hosanna, save us now. But they wanted Jesus to save them for different reasons, to save them from different things. As I think about it, I can't help but come to the conclusion that all these people shouting Hosanna, for the most part were shouting Hosanna for very selfish reasons. They wanted Jesus to do something for them. Well, five days later, Jesus would do something for them, wouldn't he? But he wouldn't give them what they wanted. He would give them what they most needed. Because five days after Palm Sunday, Jesus would hang on that cross. And he would give us the greatest gift that anyone could ever give. The gift of forgiveness. The gift of relationship with God. The gift of eternal life in heaven. And so Jesus gave us five days later, not what we asked him for, but he gave us what we most needed. See, Jesus didn't ride that little donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to heal diseases or provide a financial bailout or to kick out the Romans. Jesus came that day to save the world from sin and death. But sadly, those who were only fair-weather fans of Jesus would end up saying, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. If you're not going to give me what I want, then I want nothing to do with you. I'm going to pick up my palm branch and go home. It really does beg the question, are you a fair-weather fan of Jesus? Are you a fair-weather fan of Jesus? Honestly, there are times when it's easy to cheer for Jesus and stick by his side. But there are other times when it's really, really hard. It's hard to cheer for Jesus when he doesn't seem to answer your prayers. It's hard to cheer for Jesus when things seem to be falling apart. It's hard to cheer for Jesus when your health is failing, when a family member dies, when you lose your job, when when your bills are piling up, and when you're steeped in depression. There are times in life where it's really, really hard to follow Jesus. Think about it. It's easy to cheer for Jesus and take selfies with him on Palm Sunday when everybody else is excited about Jesus and cheering for him. You might come to church 
if we were able to come in person, but certainly most in this country, I hope, will turn, tune into an Easter service online uh, next Sunday for Easter. And so hopefully most, uh, most Americans will tune in, but it's easy to cheer for Jesus on Easter. Most other people are cheering for him as well. But it's hard to cheer for Jesus when times are hard. It's easy to cheer for him on Palm Sunday, but it's not so easy to do the same on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday. I think that Holy Week, the time between Palm Sunday and Easter, provides us the perfect opportunity to ask ourselves an important question. Am I a fair-weather fan of Jesus, or am I a loyal follower of Jesus every day of my life? I want you to ask yourself that question, and you don't have to answer it out loud, but answer it honestly in your mind and heart, because God knows the truth, and you know the truth. Am I a fair-weather follower of Jesus, or am I truly, am I truly a follower of Him every day of my life? Am I a fan, or am I a committed, loyal follower? You know what happened on Palm Sunday, and you and I cheer for it. And you know what happened one week later on Easter Sunday when Jesus conquered the grave? Well, we cheer for that too. But what about the days in between? Let's take a quick look at each of those days between Palm Sunday and Easter. And I want you to ask yourself, when these types of things happen to me, am I a fan or a truly committed, loyal follower? If I had been there 2,000 years ago, would I have stuck by Jesus' side Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, would I have been like most people who put down their palm branches and walked away when the tough times came? Are are you a fan of Jesus or are you a committed follower on Monday? On Monday of Holy Week, Jesus wasn't riding a donkey any longer. He was back on his own two feet and he was hot. He was angry. He was upset. We read in Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13, that Jesus walked into the outer courts of the temple in Jerusalem, and he, he cleaned house. Many of you remember that story. He goes into the temple courts. It was oftentimes called the court of the Gentiles. That's where non-Jewish people were able to come and gather and pray and learn about the one true God. And instead of being a place where those that were seekers, those that were uh, not believers but thought about becoming believers, that's where they could gather to find out more about God and the Scriptures. In that place... It had been transformed into a marketplace. And boy, did Jesus get upset about that. Jesus got so upset because they were, uh, there were money changers in there ripping people off. Uh, there were people selling doves and all sorts of animals to use for sacrifice, but they were ripping people off. And so Jesus comes in, he turns up over all the tables, and he chases out all those money changers, and he says this. He said, God said my house will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. And he was so ticked, and he was so physical in what he was doing there as he turned over the tables. It scared those people half to death, and they bolted. They took off. And notice, there in the temple courts on Monday, no one was waving palm branches at Jesus. Most people were heading for the hills. They wanted nothing to do with him. So how about you? When Jesus messes up your plans, when he turns over the tables in your life, are you still a loyal follower? It's easy to wave the palm branches on Sunday, but do you keep waving them on Monday when Jesus makes your life hard? And sometimes he takes a hard life and makes it even harder. 
Do you still stick by Jesus' side? Are you still a loyal follower? How about on Tuesday? You see, on Tuesday of Holy Week, Jesus told his closest followers, and we read this in Luke chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. He said, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors. And all on account of my name, this will result in you being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. When Jesus was telling this to his closest followers, they weren't waving palm branches saying, Hosanna, that's awesome, tell me more, Jesus. Tell me more about how my relatives will hate me because I follow you. Tell me more about how much I'll be persecuted for your name. The fans of Jesus had long gone by the time Jesus said these words. And his followers, even his closest followers, were really wrestling and struggling with what he was saying. I can guarantee you, no one was waving palm branches on Tuesday. Well, how about you? Are you a loyal follower of Jesus even when you discover that you'll be persecuted for following him? Are you a loyal follower of Jesus Christ even when your own family members say that you're nuts? Even when your closest friends say you've lost it? You've got you to lose this whole Jesus thing. You've got to get rid of this church thing. You're, you're losing your mind. You've know, you got to have balance in your life. You've gone over the edge. Are you loyal to Jesus? even when those closest to you think you've lost your mind for following him. How about on Wednesday? When Satan entered Judas Iscariot and Judas went to the chief priests and the the temple guards and accepted a bribe to hand Jesus over to them. Nobody was waving palm branches for Jesus on Wednesday when the plot was hatched to arrest and kill him. How quick are you to turn on Jesus when those around you turn on him? Are you a faithful follower of Jesus when his fan club disappears? It's easy to cheer for Jesus when the crowd loves him. It's a lot harder to cheer for him and follow him when the critics begin to outnumber his supporters. Are you still a committed follower of Jesus on Wednesday? How about on Thursday? We read in John 13 and in Luke 22 that Thursday was a very challenging day for Jesus and his followers. On Thursday, Jesus in the evening at that last supper, he got down on his hands and knees and he began to wash each of his disciples' feet with his own hands. And those feet were smelly. They didn't wear Nikes back then. They were open-toed sandals and they had all dirt roads. And so those toes were gnarly looking. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were grimy. And Jesus, our Lord, got down and washed each of his disciples' feet. That was uncomfortable for them. And Peter, remember, said in John 13, 8, No, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus insisted. And Peter eventually relented and let Jesus do that. Well, how about later in the night? Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane late on Thursday night. And he was down on his knees begging God to let that cup pass from him. Begging God for deliverance. Begging God to somehow change his plan so he wouldn't have to torture, be tortured and die because Jesus knew that was going to be excruciating. And Jesus, he was so stressed in that moment, it says in the scriptures, he was sweating drops of blood. 
And so we know medically that those little capillaries, those tiny little blood vessels were bursting close to where his glands were. And so that blood of those bursted capillaries was mixing with sweat. And and so the sweat and blood mixed together. Jesus was so stressed as he cried out to God in prayer in the garden. No disciples were waving palm branches there in the garden of Gethsemane, were they? In fact, they couldn't even pray with Jesus for an hour. They fell asleep. Instead of of lifting up prayers, they were sawing logs. No, they weren't there supporting Jesus as he needed. It's hard supporting Jesus on Thursday when he's doing things that are uncomfortable, when he's doing things that are painful, when he's dealing with his anguish, following God's orders to him. So I wonder, had I been there in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, Would I have been one of those few followers that stuck by Jesus' side on Monday and on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday? And how about on Friday? On Friday, Jesus went before King Herod and he went before Governor Pilate. Jesus was flogged. He was spit upon. He was blindfolded and beaten over the head. And then Jesus was nailed to a cross. And as he was bleeding profusely, hanging from the cross, we know that only a few of Jesus' followers were close by. Everyone else had bolted. We know that close to the cross was his mother Mary. And we know that John was the only one of his 12 disciples that was close to the cross when Jesus died on that cross. Most of his followers had left. They had saved their own skin. There he was just five days after Palm Sunday. And not a single disciple was waving a palm branch. Not a single follower was celebrating, putting their cloak on the road before him. All those fair-weather fans were long gone as Jesus hung there on Calvary. So I wonder, had I been there in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, would I have stuck by Jesus' side on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? Or would I have bolted and maybe taken my branch and gone home early in the week? I hope that you and I hope that I are truly committed, loyal followers of Jesus Christ and not just fair-weather fans. One of my favorite Bible verses about heaven is in Revelation chapter 21. I've I've shared this verse many, many times as I've uh, officiated memorial services for dozens and dozens of people over the years. And one of these verses I love to share, it's so encouraging about heaven, is Revelation 21 verse 4 where it says, There in heaven God will wipe every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging to know that there in heaven there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more disease, there'll be no more coronavirus, there'll be no more pandemic, no more ERs, no more ICUs, no more congestive heart failure, no more diabetes, and praise God, no more cancer. Isn't that going to be awesome? Instead, there will be perfect health and there will be perfect peace and there will be perfect joy and perfect love in the presence of our amazing God. Amen? Amen. But it says here in verse 7 of Revelation 21, it says this, and I want you to miss it. He who overcomes will inherit all of this and I will be his God and he will be my son. Now, what does that mean? Well, I take it to mean that fair-weather fans of Jesus won't inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, fair-weather fans of Jesus will not make it to heaven. 
Only those who persevere in their faith and are loyal followers of Jesus, no matter what comes their way. So making it to heaven is never about just going to church or saying a sinner's prayer or even getting baptized. Making it to heaven is never about just jumping through a religious hoop. Making it to heaven is about making that commitment to Christ and sticking to it. Not just waving palm branches for Jesus when everybody else is, and Jesus is wildly popular, but sticking by Jesus and celebrating Him and obeying Him and loving Him and following His commands, regardless of how hard it gets, regardless of whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So here we are in the midst of one of the most challenging times in our lives. One of the most challenging times in the life of our nation, dealing with this pandemic of COVID-19. And it's not easy for some of us to trust Jesus Christ during this time, but we need to trust Him anyway. It's not easy for some of us to love Jesus Christ and be faithful in our love to Him every day, but we need to love Him anyway. It's not easy for some of us to obey God's commands, to trust Him, to patiently wait on Him, to come to Him in prayer to prioritize the most important things he wants us to prioritize during this pandemic. It's not easy. But if we're truly loyal followers of Jesus Christ, we'll do what's not easy because we are serious about following him. He is truly Lord of my life. We obey his commands regardless of how hard it is. Well, I guarantee you that if you are committed to follow Jesus Christ, and to obey His commands, to trust Him, to love Him, during even the hardest of times, I can guarantee you this, I can promise you this, you will never, ever regret it. If you are faithful to Jesus Christ during these difficult times we're in right now, Jesus Christ will make sure that one day He will reward you more than you could ever imagine. It will be so worth it. I have no doubt that when we get to heaven someday, we'll look back on this and say, as hard as it was, as overwhelming as it seemed at the time, this is so worth it. All of it was so worth it. As God says in His Word in 1 Corinthians 15, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think we need to give him a hand praise right now. We serve, we serve an awesome God. Oh, church, keep serving him. Keep loving him. Keep trusting him. Keep obeying his commands because he will make sure. He will make sure that he sees you through this trial you're dealing with. And he will make sure that you're well rewarded in eternity. When it comes to it, I hope that we're all loyal followers of Jesus. I hope that you can join me in saying today, when it comes to Jesus, I am not a fan. When it comes to Jesus, I'm not a fan. I am a loyal, committed follower of Jesus Christ. And nothing that goes on in this world will change that. I will be loyal to Him. I will be faithful to Him. I will trust, I will love, and I will obey Him no matter what. I hope that all of us can say that and mean it today with God as our witness. God bless you, church. I've got five questions to see if you were paying attention today. I'm going to fire them at you one at a time. 
I encourage you to answer the question. You can answer it out loud there in your room where you are if you like. If you're joining us on uh, Facebook, you can jot down the answer and be the first to do that in the comments section if you'd like. But here it goes. Question number one. On Palm Sunday, this is your easy question. On Palm Sunday, what did the people place on the road in front of Jesus? On Palm Sunday, what did they place on the road in front of Jesus? Question number two. This one's a little bit tougher. The crowds, as Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem, the crowd shouted one interesting word, Hosanna. What does that word Hosanna mean? What does the word Hosanna mean? Question number three. What did Jesus do at the temple on Monday that caused many of his fans to disappear? So what did Jesus do on Monday that caused many of his fans to pick up their palm branches and head home? What was it on Monday? Question number four. What did Jesus do on Thursday that made his followers uncomfortable? What did he do on Thursday? The night when he was eventually arrested, he hung on the cross the next day. What did he do that made his followers uncomfortable? And then finally, question number five. This is a question only you can answer. Are you a fan or are you a loyal follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a fan or are you a loyal follower of Jesus Christ? Question number one. On Palm Sunday, what did the people place on the road in front of Jesus? The answer is palm branches, right? The other acceptable answer would be cloaks. It says in Matthew they placed both branches and cloaks on the path in front of Jesus. So I think all of you should be one for one so far. Question number two. The crowd shouted Hosanna as Jesus rode that little donkey into Jerusalem. What does the word Hosanna mean? It means, save us now. Save us now. If you answered God save us, that answer is acceptable as well. Question number three. What did Jesus do at the temple on Monday that caused many of his fans to disappear? Remember it was Monday that Jesus went into the temple courts, overturned the tables, and drove out the money changers. So any of those answers are acceptable. He overturned tables. He chased off the money changers. Question number four. What did Jesus do on Thursday that made his followers uncomfortable? Remember there at the Last Supper on Thursday, uh, Jesus got down on his hands and feet and he washed the feet of his disciples. That made them very uncomfortable. If you answered in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and even sweat Sweated drops of blood, that's an acceptable answer too. Both of those things made his followers really uncomfortable. Uh, and then finally, number five, are you a fan or a loyal follower of Jesus? Honestly, only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question. Are you a fan or are you a loyal follower of Jesus? One of the coolest things we ever get to do at Impact Christian Church is lead someone to Jesus Christ. And it was so awesome last Sunday with our online service. As we have today, we've got the names and phone numbers of a few prayer counselors on the bottom of the screen. Last Sunday, Alan was one of our prayer counselors. And one of our ladies at the church, who's been coming over the last few weeks, picked up the phone and called Alan. And Alan was able to talk to this young lady, 19 years old, about Jesus Christ. And she made the decision last Sunday to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. 
and follow him by being baptized. And so last Sunday afternoon, I went over to our church offices and we filled up the baptistry on short notice. And we were able to baptize Sahara last Sunday afternoon. She made that decision to follow Jesus Christ with her life. Some of you need to make that same decision today. To believe in your heart that Jesus is God's son and that he died on the cross for you. To admit that you are a sinner and that you need him today. And to choose to follow him by giving your life to him and starting to obey his commands. And one of those commands he gives you is to turn from your sin and be baptized. Those are the ABCs that we talked about last Sunday. A, admit that you are a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and put your trust in him as your Savior and Lord. And then C, choose to follow him with your life and obey his commands. I hope that many of you will make that same decision that Sahara made last Sunday. And right now I'd like to show you the video that we took last Sunday of Sahara being baptized.